0: the enemy he's the prince of this world and he uses all kinds of resources at his disposal to try to stop the advancement of the kingdom
1: we always want to do things on our own we always want to be the one to fix things and sometimes you just need to sit back and say god what
0: is it you want to do? welcome to the one cry podcast a nationwide call for spiritual awakening the goal accelerating the movement of
1: God through sharing revival truth, stories, and reports. And now, your hosts, Bill Eliff and Kyle Reno.
2: Well, welcome to the One Cry Podcast. We are honored that you're here again, taking the time to listen. I'm Kyle Reno. This is Bill Eliff. We get the honor of hosting you guys. And our our heart, our hope behind this podcast, really, is to spread what's in God's. Uh, around yeah. desire to to bring about revival, real life again mm-hmm. in his people and to see an awakening that impacts the lost. And a lot of times I feel like that, that seems impossible. It, yeah, It seems like it's
0: not. Can that happen? And you just think about all of us individually. How many times have you stood at the base of a mountain right. and thought, there's no way. Sure. And it may be a physical sure. issue. Yeah. Uh, there's no way. Or it may be some spiritual mountain. Right. You know, here I've got a prodigal child. Yeah. or There's no way. Right. You know, or I, God's calling me to something that there's sure. just no way. Yeah. Well, here's the question: What do you do? Right. Right. Because what there, there there been there been thousands of people that walked away from that mountain, mm-hmm. and uh, things could have happened sure. that never materialized. Yeah,
2: we, and we love those, don't we? Aren't we drawn to those stories of when someone breaks some threshold? Right. Yeah. You know, I just got through watching the the guy that's trying to break the two-hour mark in a marathon.
0: Was well, that me? Was it, that the it, one it, about it, me? It, well, it, I, <laughs> hey, it's coming out. Don't <laughs> let it, don't let it, don't
2: let it, but it was But it was amazing what they put this one guy who's the best runner, the training, and Nike came around them and stuff yeah. like that. And they, it was all to beat. They've tried the right circumstances, the right weather, the right track, mm. to try to get a man to mm. do something that was impossible. And what was interesting to me is, is everybody leaned in and believed. Right. Everybody leaned in and believed that this, that I think this can happen. And you see those kind of moments Mm -hmm. in the Bible.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we were created in the image of God. Right. So God is calling us to do God things, Mm -hmm. but we can't do it unless we're really connected to him. And we're going to see that today. Yeah. You know, uh, Joshua chapter 10 is such a, incredible passage. Uh, it, it's the miraculous. It's going uh, over and beyond the mountain that we, we couldn't possibly think could happen. And we see uh, how critical. Here's Joshua in the context of this passage. The last generation didn't get across the Jordan. They didn't believe. Joshua's now trying to raise a new generation who will believe God and see the impossible. And the the truth is this, that the next generation and the next movement of God calls for warriors who believe in a big God, who will just believe in a big God. And I think his eyes are searching across the nation and saying, where's, where's the man, where's the woman, where's a college student who will believe me for big things? You know, uh, the context of Joshua 10 is... That the Israelites were moving through the land of Canaan and, uh, the Gibeonites, the people at Gibeon were fearful and they came. They did it in kind of a devious way, but they said, Hey, we want to join you. We don't want to be against you. We want to join you. And so Joshua made a covenant with the Gideonites and that they would, they could live there. They would protect them. Well, five kings heard about this. And they, they really got angry. They, they felt their little coalition breaking up. So they, they come against Gibeon. They want to say, look, we're going to take out anybody that joins the work of God. And the Gibeonites sent a little email text or something over to Joshua and said, hey, you remember you said you'd take care of us? Well, Well, here we are. Now, this illustrates two or three things that are real important to us right now in this season. Number one, God's kingdom will always have enemies. I mean, if you think you're gonna sail through on flowery beds of ease, as the old hymn says, uh, you've missed the context of the world and the flesh and the devil. These Gibeonites uh, were attacked by five kings who reacted the way they did, and you know why? They were losing control. God's kingdom was advancing, and they were losing control. And they got frantic. They could have, just think of this, they could have, like Gibeon, joined the work of God, but they didn't want to give up that control to God and his kingdom. And so they decided to try to stop people from joining God's movement. Now, the Bible is clear in the Old Testament, New Testament, we're always going to have enemies. I mean, this is why Paul came in that stunning passage in Ephesians chapter six. And he said, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might put on the full armor so that you're going to be able to stand against this. And then and then notice this. Our struggle, my struggle, your struggle is not against flesh and blood behind that. It is principalities, rulers, powers, the world forces of this present darkness against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Man, I wish I had time to unpack that for us. You ought to study it a little bit because that's the battle. Behind these five kings were principalities, powers, world forces, spiritual forces in heavenly places trying to stop the work Of God. Now, the enemy uses, he's the prince of this world, and he uses all kinds of resources at his disposal to try to stop the advancement of the kingdom. And when we think about revival and spiritual awakening, which would accelerate the work, I guarantee you, Satan's hosts are trying to stop this. They can use media, they can use education. This may surprise you, and you, you may have, have never thought about this. And I'm not, it's not a conspiracy theory uh, thing, but one of the greatest enemies that Satan uses to, to stop the work of the kingdom historically has been government. A government was designed by God, it was created by God to give structure, and it has one purpose, and that is to protect people from enemies, right? This is what, read it in Romans 13. This is their one task. But if Satan gets his foot in the door, what happens is that worldly governments, you watch, they will increasingly try to stop the work of God. And they do it in a thousand ways. Just think of this, Pharaoh opposing Moses, uh, the Canaanites opposing Joshua. Nebuchadnezzar with Daniel and the three Hebrew children, the New Testament, the Roman government, and the government of the church literally killing Jesus. Think of the fledgling church, and they're pulling, you know, Peter and John and saying, Stop talking. You have to stop talking about Jesus. Now, we learned something right here that's really important. Peter and John were mad. They weren't throwing Molotov cocktails uh, at government buildings. They said, well, you know, whether or not you think it's right to do this, uh, you be the judge of that. Uh, and, and, but we can't stop. This is what God has told us to do. At this moment, when the government is trying to stop the work of God's kingdom, we have a higher law at that moment, and we've got to obey the, the, the leadership of God. So the government, often under the influence of the enemy, tries to capture the mind and the thinking of the next generation, keep people from praying, keep people from worshiping, keep believers from evangelizing, take the name of God out of our consciousness, and just keep the church basically from advancing the gospel. I I traveled for many years into Russia right after Russia was opened up, and uh, I was grateful for every trip, and God used those trips, but I hated it every time I went there because I would get off the plane, and I felt this oppressive darkness, and I asked a pastor, I said, man, I'm not trying to be mean about your country, but I just feel this darkness everywhere. He said, well, in 1916, when... Uh, the revolution happened Uh, the communism decided we're going to take God out no references to God no teaching about God they they couldn't stop it ultimately but he said the darkness you feel 70 years without God here's a government that has tried to take God out now we just have to remember that this is a reality and we don't have to get fearful of that because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. We have a, a higher power. But here's the second truth. We've got to realize, hey, we, there's an enemy. And it's a, it's a spiritual enemy, and he uses all kinds of things. But here's the very important truth. We've got to raise a generation that knows how to do battles. I mean, a, a generation, and we've been in this a little bit, All the prosperity that's come to America and all of us have enjoyed all the riches of that kind of prosperity. And we've gotten, we've gotten fat. We've gotten lazy. We've gotten, uh, apathetic. And the church, by the way, has diminished. 85% of our churches are plateaued or declining. We need to raise up warriors. And you see right in here in in Joshua chapter 10, how Joshua did that. Just three things I want, to, I want you to see. First of all, we've got to be people and raise up a generation of people who move at God's word. So it says in Joshua 10 verse 7, Joshua went up from Gilgal. Here are these five uh, kings coming against them. And all the people of war with him and all the valiant warriors. And the Lord said to Joshua, Don't fear. I just love that. Do not fear them, for I have given them into your hands. Not one of them will stand before you. Well, if Joshua hadn't had that reference, if Joshua hadn't had that word from God, he would have had no faith. He would have been frightened at all these kings coming. But he got a word. And he remembered that just a few Weeks before at AI, they didn't wait to get a word, and the results were disastrous. So I'm sure Joshua's thinking, look, here's enemies. We've got to get in a posture to hear God. And that's right now. I mean, that's right now. The enemy is advancing at a rapid pace across our country. He's capturing the minds of our children. He's using a thousand things. I just think of pornography. And how it's invading the church and invading, taking out men by the tens of thousands, just stripping them down to powerlessness. The enemy's doing that. So we've got to get in a posture to hear God. God, what do you say to us? I'm, a, I'm your warrior. What are you saying to me that I need to do? How do I deal with this enemy in my home, in the church, in the kingdom of God, in our nation? And secondly, We've got to fight till the battle's won. I love this in Joshua 10, verse 9. Joshua came upon the enemy suddenly, now look at this, by marching all night (laughs) from Gilgal. And the Lord confounded them before Israel and he slew them with a great slaughter. Now look, they marched all night. They fought two days straight. This wasn't some little Oh man, we've been into this battle for you know forty five minutes. We got I got to take a little hey a little TV time out here. No way, Joshua was a warrior, and he had trained these next generation, these young leaders, to be warriors, to know how to do battle, and they're willing to fight and to go out to war. You remember when uh, the great King David so mightily used of God? Remember when? Uh, he fell. It says at the time in the spring when kings go out to battle, Joshua stayed home. And that's when Bathsheba presented herself perfectly orchestrated by the enemy to take him out. We have to stay at it until the battles won. I, I love Western history, Western United States. And there was a uh, there was a Texas Ranger who made a very famous statement, Bill McDonald, that really became a uh, a saying among Rangers to this day. And uh, the saying is, "No man who's in the wrong can stand before a man who's in the right and just keeps a coming." <laughs> what what a great state! What a manhood statement, right? So, and even more than that, we have the King of Kings who's already won the battle on our side. So we've got to move at God's word. We've got to fight till the battle's done. But here's one final big thing as we prepare the next generation for the coming move of God and work of God. We've got to pray big prayers. So here's Joshua. He's in the middle of the battle. The sun's going down and they're about to lose their window to win the battle. So Joshua spoke to the Lord, it says in verse 12, uh, and he said in the sight of Israel, so he prayed this in front of all his people, O sun, stand still at Gibeon. O moon in the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the nation avenged themselves of their enemies. And there was no day, like that, before it or after it, when the Lord listened to the voice of the man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Oh my goodness! You know, Kyle and I were talking about this not long ago, and and the laws of nature created by God, you know, to kind of guide us and the structure of the world, and and it's like Joshua said, "Dad, I I need a little more time to do your will," and God said, "Sure, son." <laughs> okay, when you're tracking with me, I can change the laws of nature. It's, it's not a big deal. I, I can do this if you're doing this for my glory. Mm-hmm. Big prayer. I mean, it's a big prayer. I'm real excited. There's a movement of God, a one-cry movement, in and I can't tell you the name of the Southeast Asia nation, but there's a man there who has orchestrated a nationwide prayer gathering. They meet every Tuesday night, and some of them pray every day. And there are hundreds of people that are on these calls, leaders around that nation. You know what they're praying for? a 100,000 people would be saved in their nation in 2022. That's a big prayer. But it's the same prayer that God put in the heart of a young next generation guy, twenty-six year old Bible college student, and the Lord kept waking up him up in the middle of the night, giving him a word, giving him a word. This is what I want you to tell my people. And he went home and uh, to his home church, and God had given a vision of a hundred thousand people being saved in his little tiny nation. That's about a, a third the size of, of the state of Arkansas. And uh, guess what? In the next nine months during the Welsh revival with Evan Roberts, 100,000 people were saved. Now listen, is God big enough to change a nation? Is God big enough to revive your church? Is God big enough to redeem a lost life? or to bring back a prodigal, or provide for your needs, or heal a marriage, or save people you love, or change your city? Absolutely. (laughs) But, Kyle, I think what God is saying to us right now, and what he said to Joshua, Mm -hmm. is it's time to get the warriors ready. That's right. You know, just suck it up and realize there's enemies. There's Mm -hmm. always going to be enemies until the end of this world. And they're going to be increasing. Right. So we as Christians have to stand up in the power of the Lord right. and do battle until right. the battle's won. Yeah,
2: I remember the guy that discipled me. He said one of the greatest injustices we we do in even leading people to Christ is that we don't make them aware of now. Welcome to the fight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the because yeah. you're going you're fighting from the victory of Jesus in your own personal life, but now you're fighting for the advancement of the kingdom yeah. of God. And, and what I love, man, as you were walking us through that, I just, that spirit of how hey, we're going to fight until it's finished. Yeah. yeah. We're going to fight until it's finished. We're going to see it all the way through until we die mm-hmm. or he comes or the breakthrough happens. Yeah. yeah. And in light of that spirit, Lord, let the, let the sun stand still, Turn, yeah. leave the lights on for a little bit longer, yeah. you know, so we can do it. And man, we do need that. And you know what? There's, there are those kind of men and women right now. Warriors. Warriors that are on the line, that are believing big. And we, so we always try to capture a moment here where we get a testimony of something God mm-hmm. is doing. So we're going to take a few moments here and let's listen to the work of the Lord.
3: Well, here we are again, and we're continuing a story uh, that evolved out of a powerful work of God back in 1988 in a church in Fort Worth, Texas. And if you didn't hear the first half last week, you've got to go back. You've got to hear how God brought uh, this church into a a season of deep, significant, genuine, authentic revival. And then how so many individuals in the church were impacted. And particularly as we begin to unpack last week, Ray and Kathy Stone's story. So Ray, thank you for joining us once again for this podcast. Uh, You're in Waco, Texas now. The story originated in Fort Worth and we left it last week, clearly with the story of God having been working individually in your hearts in deep, significant ways to get open and honest, transparent, clear your conscience with your spouse and God just sovereignly orchestrated to move both of you to invite the other to meet, and you met at a park there in Fort Worth. Is that kind of the summary of where we left off? Yes. So tell us, what, where from there and
1: what happened? So Kathy was under deep conviction. I was under conviction that I, I, I had it in my mind that this was a secret I had to take to the death, uh, that I could never share this with Kathy. And then Kathy began to open up and share a relationship she had been, been involved with four years earlier. And, and I confess that my flesh initially took over and I wanted to condemn her. We'd had, all, we'd had issues, we'd had our share of problems. I thought everything was pretty good at that point in time. But initially I wanted to condemn her. You know, I've got her now. You know, I, I, can, I can blame her for everything now. But when I did, the Holy Spirit reminded me of my sin. It was like he was holding up a mirror and saying, how can you, con- how can you possibly condemn her when this is what I see when I look at you? And you would expect that to to force the two of us apart when you confess something like that to one another. And we did, we ended up confessing it to one another. You would expect that to cause problems or a fight or an argument and blame, but but the Holy spirit focused us on our own sin instead of the other person's sin. And as he did that, he began to pour out his grace upon us. Hmm. And we experienced grace like we had never experienced it. You know, what we, we're all believers that believe that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. And but to really, truly experience God' grace, God's grace is something we don't normally do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't. We, so many of us go through our entire lives and never really understand or experience what God's grace is about. And we talk about corporate revival, and that was an outpouring of God's grace on all of us. Mm-hmm. But we began at that point in time a, a process where we started dealing with everything in our lives, our married life up to that point. We've been married 11 years at that point in time. And we started dealing with all the things. And every time we would confess, we were reminded by the Holy Spirit to confess something in one another, we would experience more grace. And I got on a grace fix where I, I kept trying to find things that I could conf- I actually thought about doing something mean to her just so I could confess it and get more grace. But that grace continued and, and the, the way that I know that, that this revival, not just individually for us, but corporately for the church, it, it, it happened, and it continued for years and years and years in our lives. And, and it's, it's I, I, I hate to say it, but it's, it's faded over the years somewhat, but it's still there. You still remember it. I think about the point in time in the future when I die, I know that I've only had a small glimpse of God's grace at this point and we'll be able to experience it in, in all of its glory and all of its wonder. Um, it, it was just a small taste of it at that point in time,
3: but, uh, go ahead. Yeah, that, that's so rich Ray. And so I think relevant to the hearts of our listeners, there's a lot of pastors that listen to this podcast and digest it and wonder, wow, could God really do what, uh, even Bill and Kyle are talking about in the one cry podcast in my church. And wow, it's, um, it's a reminder that even in the most, on an individual scale here, even the most impossible thought you would go to the grave with a secret uh, scenario, that God is big enough to not only create the right circumstances, uh, and but infuse that grace that would be necessary. Grace to, to obey, but then also grace to forgive in that relationship. And, and Ray, I, I go back to uh, that one little quote: it's not just an emotional touch, but a complete takeover. Your life changed. Uh, I, I know uh, you began to uh, you began to do something that I think is so missing today in church services, but way beyond that, and that is people telling the stories of God's grace in these dramatic ways, be out of openness, transparency, and complete honesty, really. So you didn't hide anything thereafter. You began to travel the country uh, with our organization, Sister Organization Life Action, stand before churches, share your story. I remember people's mouths would basically drop and say, this person is honest. But I also sense they were looking around and say, he's not alone they're not alone. There are many sitting out here in the pews that have a secret that they don't want to share. And yet, wasn't it sharing the secret that brought the grace because grace comes by humility? Absolutely.
1: And it's, it's, it wasn't, it wasn't and isn't a temporary thing. Um, You know, we talk about the, the services lasting seven, there's seven Sundays, six weeks, But the revival continued for years. I mean, the church is dispersed. People have moved different places and stuff. But in 1991, I took a transfer. We moved to Colorado for 14 years. But whenever we come back to Texas, we'd always visit, not always, but we'd often visit Birchman. When you walked in the facility, you were reminded of what God had done there and that God's presence was still. That's where we associated God's presence, even though obviously he's with us always. But uh, that grace continues and, and will continue, hopefully, for the rest of our days. And, but, but after our days, we'll really experience it.
3: Well, and the adage, once you've been in the fire, the smoke is on your clothes forever. So that little uh, antidote illustration you gave of stepping back in the auditorium years later and remembering that that's just that smoke is there, and just to, to recall what it was like to be. It wasn't just the place;
1: it was the people. Yeah, uh, because and I, I don't we didn't mention this, but the revival actually took place. The church was in a transition, The revival took place in a gymnasium. We didn't have the money to build a facility, and uh, so when we go back, when we've gone back over the years, we've gone into the to the meeting place, the, the auditorium, sanctuary, we want to call it. So it wasn't the place, it was the body of believers that had dealt with, that had experienced God's grace. That's when we felt it, was being around that body of believers that had experienced that grace.
3: So I'd say people saturated with God, not a building saturated Absolutely. with God. Hey, so I'll t- talk to just quickly here, pastors that are listening, anybody that's listening, none of us are exempt. If there's something that um, you experienced that you would just urge us. Uh, to take in consideration, beginning immediately in our lives, what would that be? Well, I, I think the most important thing to me is that you know when we see how the country's
1: going and we see how the church is going, and I mean corporately the church. And you know, the, there's so many things in our lives, and in, in in our, in our, our government, and our economy, and everything that everybody's so worried about. God hasn't changed. We've changed and, and we allow so much. And I, I still to this day migrate that direction and you have to, you have to deal with it on a regular basis. We always want to do things on our own. We always want to be the one to fix things. And sometimes you just need to sit back and say, God, what is it you want to do? Mm -hmm. You know, I think about during the time of the revival and, and afterwards, you know, we still got up every morning and went to work or went to school and, and, and we still did our jobs and, and I probably did our jobs better than we'd done them before because we were experienced that grace. But you couldn't wait to get back to the church to see what God was going to do, because that's where you, you really sense the power and the presence of God. And, and we need to get back to that. We need to be focused on what is it God wants to do. Our Churches, so many churches and have plans and programs and, and uh, ministries and all this stuff and and they everybody wants to do things based on what they were trained to do and how they were trained to do it and this is what's worked in the past so let's use it again and sometimes at some point in time we just got to sit back and say god what is it you want to do what are you doing here and what do you want to use us for you know and, and that's why you know I've gone out and shared my testimony and that's why I'm doing it here you know mm-hmm. even today i'm saying god what what can i do what is it that you need me to do uh, you know, I've heard you share the testimony of, of uh, people saying, "Let it be given, let it begin in me." You know, let revival begin right now in my circle, and uh, you know that's that's what's going to bring it about. It's, we can't wait on God. We need to turn to God and 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 prompt Him to do what He wants to do anyway. He's waiting on us. We don't need to wait on God. He's waiting on us to, to get focused and to deal with the things in our lives that we need to deal with. If you want to see revival individually or corporately, you have to see yourself as God sees you. And you can't sit back and say, you know, I'm a good old Joe and I do right. I knew the right things. And, you know, I'm better than a lot of other people because our righteousness is as filthy rags and, and everything we do is worthless and it's all about him and all about his grace.
3: Amen. Amen. Well, with that, thank you so much for joining us. And would you pray for our audience just briefly asking God, Uh, to do in their hearts, what he did in yours. And Father, Lord God, I just, uh,
1: first of all, I thank you for the opportunity to share our testimony, but Lord, I have to acknowledge that it's not our testimony. It's not my testimony or Kathy's testimony or Birchman's testimony. It's your testimony in what you did and and how it lasted and how it continues to last in so many people's hearts and lives that were there then. Lord, I just pray that you will, will do that corporately, in in every church that will allow you to do it lord that you will turn our hearts towards you and help us to focus on what it is you have what have for us to do individually and corporately in our churches lord god i know you want to pour out your spirit and i know that you want to you want to send revival but it's not you forcing it on us it's us asking you for it for it and seeking it And I pray, Lord God, that you would impress upon each and every heart that hears this this testimony, that hears this podcast, to seek your revival, to seek your face, to seek your grace. Lord God, I just pray that that you will make a change in the hearts and the souls of the church. Open up your spirit on all of us and pour out your grace upon us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
2: Well, as always, we don't want to just talk about it. Mm -hmm. We want to pray it in. So, Bill, if you wouldn't mind, why don't you start us uh, here and mm-hmm. pray what we just got through hearing in, the end, and then mm-hmm. I'll close us up.
0: All right, Father, uh, we're so grateful that in every generation you've had your warriors. Yes. Lord, we just look back all the way to to Moses and to Joshua and to David and to Peter and and to Paul and to uh Lord, in in modern day and in, in recent history in church history, and some are unknown. Lord, some are, are guys we'll never meet till we get to heaven, mm-hmm. but have been the men who looked at the mountain like Caleb and said, Give me that mountain. Mm-hmm. I want that mountain. And and I believe my faith is big enough mm-hmm. to believe that God can give it to That's us right. for his glory and for his kingdom. So, Lord, uh, we ask that you would just strengthen the hand mm. of your leaders mm. and strengthen the hand of your warriors. And we pray, Father, you would raise up men and women. Lord, I think of the women across the United States mm. who walk with you and who disciple other women and who raise up our whole next generation Lord. Uh, In such incredible ways, just strengthen the hand of every Mm -hmm. spiritual warrior and get us ready. Lord, help us to do battle and win battles Mm -hmm. on the smaller scale so that we can see the great Mm -hmm. moments of battle in prayer and witness Mm -hmm. uh, that bring and and we can help cooperate with you in moments of revival Mm -hmm. and spiritual awakening.
2: Yeah, Lord, I. I bless you. I mm-hmm. worship you. That you're a God that can make the sun stand still. Hallelujah. So, Lord, forgive us mm-hmm. of our lack of faith, God. Right. And I pray that we would be bold to fight uh, our fight, to fight mm-hmm. the good fight until it's finished. Mm-hmm. Until the work. And, Lord, until every nation, tribe, and tongue knows Jesus, who mm-hmm. you are. Until our our nation experiences real revival. God, so I pray we wouldn't quit now. Try. I pray for the strength to keep, Lord, to keep struggling, keep taking steps, Lord, to keep throwing spiritual punches, uh, Lord God, until we see, Lord, some some knockouts happen for your glory, God, for enemies Mm -hmm. to fall, Lord, for spirits in our age to, Lord, be destroyed, God, God. and and then, Lord, that you would win. So, Lord, we know that this is on a heavenly realm, God, so help us to fight that fight in a spiritual way, God, help us to fight it as we pray and raise up, I agree with Bill, Lord, raise up warriors in That's Jesus' name, Lord. I, I pray that we would take the weapons of our warfare that, that have power, mm-hmm. uh, Lord God, the power of prayer is a weapon, uh, mm-hmm. Lord God, to so help us to, Lord, to wield it well, uh, Lord, to really strike down things, pluck up things, plant mm-hmm. things, Lord, and in prayer, Lord, in the authority of Jesus, Lord. So we bless you. We worship you, God. Do something, even right now, even right now in the hearts of some that will change the world. Mm-hmm. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, as always, thank you for your time. And if you would, help us. Help us spread the message, man. So everybody right. I know needs to hear what God did in Joshua 10 and see it in real time. So right. like it, like subscribe, push it out to somebody, share it. And help us spread the word on it, because we want to see a real move of God. Amen. real Amen. move of God. And we'll see you next week.